Father God, we thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we pray that our ears would be listening to your word today. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would strengthen and equip us to live for you and to follow you in obedience in this world. And Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus, who gave up everything for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated? Now, I do hope you would find it helpful to turn again to our pew Bible. You should find a red pew Bible at the end of each pew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, and page 9 of the New Testament sections of our Bible. Matthew 10, and look at verse 1 to 20. And I hope that will be of help to you. Now, this week in my household, it was a clearing up after the holiday club week which meant, amongst other things, going to the post office to send back Milkshake the Pantomime Cow to the costume hire shop. If it's not clear, that's what it is in the box. It's actually a pantomime cow going back to its home in York. And, of course, the lady in the post office asks, for security reasons, can you tell me what's in the box? And I replied, a pantomime cow. And I got a little smile and a nod of her head as if this was an everyday occurrence at Letchley Post Office. And this morning we're thinking about things that are sent, but not just things, people. Can people also be sent? Have you ever been sent anywhere yourself? As a child, were you ever sent to your room for being naughty? Anyone? Just Shirley Bell, okay. Okay, <laughs> Shirley Bell. Anyone sent to the shops to get some messages for their mum or dad? Yeah, we know what it's like to be sent. Maybe as an adult, ever sent to your doctor, to a specialist, to see what things can be like? Sometimes a bit scary to be sent to places. Ever sent by your boss on a fruitless mission to do something? Maybe they will then get the credit that you deserved. This morning we're thinking about, what does it mean to be sent? This morning, if you are in church today and you are a Christian, you have made a decision to follow Christ in your life, then you are someone who is sent. Sent out into the world by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In fact, it is a non-negotiable, essential mark of being a Christian. And we're all in this together as the body of Christ on earth. We are people who are sent. Now, the reading today from Matthew chapter 10 is the particular mission of those 12 disciples sent out by Jesus. But the reading is a very particular message. It's a very unique setting and circumstance. Let's look at verse 5 of our reading, if you have your Bibles open. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, at this particular point, the 12 disciples are entrusted, go just to the Jewish areas. So just at this point, that's what the mission is all about. So I think we have to be really careful in our message to untangle what was just for them, those 12 disciples 2,000 years ago, and what's applicable to us as Christians in 2023. So what's just for those original 12 then, and what is for us now? After all, we are not personally sent by the words of Jesus. He's not actually walking alongside us physically at the moment. 
but yet still we walk in the footsteps of those first disciples. We are sent to declare the kingdom of God to our generation among our neighbors, in the places where we work, where we volunteer, where we spend our leisure time. So therefore I'm guessing that as Christians we are sent, we're in the queue at Budgeons, when you're in the pub, when you're in the garden center, wherever you are, you're a person who is sent. And do we sometimes have that sense that we are a sent people? We're also sent to be Christians in our families, amongst friends, those whom we come into contact with. And look at verse 7. Let's see what the content of the mission is. 7 says this, As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. You might have heard the saying, preach the gospel at all times, use words only when necessary. Now that quote is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. It's been echoed by generations of Christians. There's only one problem. Francis never said it. It's in none of his works. You will never find anywhere that Francis of Assisi said it. In fact, in his time, he was known as a great preacher and a great communicator. He did not believe the words that are often attributed to him. Because at some point as Christians, we need to take that step to articulate our faith and to try to use words. As scary and as difficult as that is, we're all called, we're all sent to try to use words to explain our faith. As Paul says elsewhere, faith comes by hearing. And we need to tell our story about what difference Jesus makes to us. Because no one knows your story better than you. We might get tongue-tied, we might feel completely inadequate, we may not know how to answer every question, and that's okay. But God will help us, and we'll come back to that in a few verses' time. And it's really important to understand that our mission... Our being sent is parallel to that of Jesus himself. We share in the same mission of Jesus. We talk about the same kingdom. The shape of the Christian life and what we're meant to do is Jesus-shaped. So there's Jesus talking with his disciples. He was sent by his Father in heaven, and Jesus in turn sends us. Jesus gathered other people around him, as we do in the local church today. You are surrounded by other people. You may not ask to be surrounded by them, but you are surrounded by them. We're in this together. And Jesus came to serve others, not to lord it over them. And we're to share in that same sense of responsibility. We're engaged in Christian mission, not from what we can get out of it, not because it will make us rich or powerful, but because it's the thing to do. And did you notice the supernatural element of this mission? And perhaps this word gets a bit more complicated. Verse 1, Jesus summoned the twelve and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. Verse 8, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. My personally standing here today would necessarily call myself a Pentecostal or charismatic Christian, but we cannot say that miracles do not happen. They do. The miraculous still happens today. 
signs and wonders accompany the name of Jesus and we should be praying for a moving of the Spirit amongst us. We may see more of these great supernatural things in a missionary context perhaps, when the gospel breaks new ground in an African or Asian context, but surely we must never deny that the Holy Spirit can be engaged in healings, prophetic words, people being freed from evil forces today. How can we be a Christian and deny the supernatural and the spiritual? That makes no sense. These things did not just die out with the apostles and that first generation of believers. We may not always expect these things, but we must be open to the Spirit moving in miraculous ways amongst us. And I sometimes wonder if the Christian church in Britain today has lost that sense of purpose and authority that we're all sent out to proclaim Jesus wherever we find ourselves. You know, it's not good enough to be a holy huddle and to keep this to ourselves. It's not good enough to think that only a special group of Christians are called to go out. All of us are sent in mission of one form or another. All of us are sent. It's not good enough when we let ourselves off the hook by saying, I have a private faith, thank you very much. I don't want to talk about it. The New Testament knows nothing about a private faith which we keep to ourselves. We have a gospel to proclaim as the hymn goes, and it's meant to be shared. So if we're going to take Matthew's words seriously, that's the first thing we learnt. We are all sent. The second thing is we're all in a team. Now, I don't know what the 12 disciples look like. I have no idea. But did you notice the list of all the disciples at the beginning of our reading? Isn't that wonderful? God called all these people through Jesus. We have two sets of fishermen brothers. We have Matthew, the tax collector, which was a really hated occupation amongst the Jews as they were seen as collaborators with the Romans. We have a political activist called Simon the Zealot. And, of course, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, is also mentioned. You see, Jesus is calling a new people to follow him. The 12 disciples echo the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. And I think we're meant to see these 12 people as very, very disparate, completely diverse group of people from different backgrounds, different temperaments, yet Jesus very intentionally, very deliberately called them together to go out in mission. It must have been great fun seeing the 12 trying to work together in those first days. Simon Peter would rush headlong into action. Matthew would bring him down to earth and start to count the cost. Can we afford this? Do we have a budget? Simon the Zealot, his eyes would probably burn brighter as he thought of how the kingdom of God would challenge the Romans. And Judas? Well, maybe his mind was on other things. It's a great thing when Christians can work together on the shared goal of mission. Last year, so many of us in the church family were involved in our Seeds of Faith parish mission, helping in the cafe, organizing events, sending out invitations. Recently, we've had our holiday Bible club with so many people helping. People moved pews, others helped with registration, some painted scenery, some served refreshments, some turned sausages on the barbecue, some led groups, and some even dressed like a cowboy on the stage. When we start taking risks, when we start getting actively involved in a mission, then people's different gifts and abilities get uncovered. 
People find their voice. People become confident in doing something different. Isn't it a shame that if people go to church, sometimes they feel squashed, sometimes they don't feel their gifts and abilities being used. Other people become real prayer warriors, covering services and events and people in prayer, realizing we're in a spiritual struggle. Because if we try to do everything ourselves, we start to run just on fumes and we burn out. So many times I've seen that with other clergy, for instance, because we're not working together, we're not collaborative, people simply burn out. Jesus calling the twelve and sending them out is all about collaboration and working together. And part of my job as a vicar in this church is to encourage people to do different things, to get involved in mission. So we're all sent. We're all sent to be part of a team working together. But we also need to be realistic. What does Jesus encourage us to have the mindset of? As wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Isn't that hard to do? As wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. You see, we will face opposition. You can see that in our reading over the page from verse 16 to 18. See, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. Verse 17, beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me. You see, they're to go out with their eyes open. They're to understand that some will accept their message and others will reject it. And if it's true then, it's true now. Sometimes you talk to people about your faith and you can just see nothing going on behind their eyes. They're rejecting the message and that's the way it is sometimes. And of course, we all know the trajectory that Jesus himself is on. He sets himself to go towards Jerusalem and he knows there will be a time of betrayal, arrest, suffering and the cross. Jesus went with his eyes open Understanding opposition will come. And we're to expect that too. Now in the original context, the twelve disciples would indeed be thrown out of the synagogues. They would be flogged. They'd be interrogated by the authorities. And church history tells us out of those twelve, eleven would be martyred for their faith. Praise God that hopefully that will not happen to us. But it might one day... And that sort of opposition and persecution is the lot of millions of Christians around the world today. Sheep amongst wolves, that's often the Christian's position. The twelve were to welcome those who accepted the good news of Jesus. And what are they to do? Verse 14, they're to shake the dust from their feet for others who do not accept it. And what about this actual message? Do we still believe today that nothing is more important than the decision you make about Jesus. Do you believe in the Son of God and he is the Saviour, or do we not? Do we believe the kingdom of God has come in Jesus, or do we not? We're not trying to introduce people to a new hobby or to a new lifestyle choice. We're not sent to promote a new self-help therapy. We're actually to take a message of repentance and faith to turn away from our old way of life and to follow Jesus, which is a much better way by far. And it would be an utterly daunting task, impossible for even the bravest 
most intelligent, most humble person. But it would be impossible if it wasn't for this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ and he has given us his spirit. Think of your, uh, put your mind at the end of Matthew's gospel and remember the words of the Great Commission right at the very end. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, when we pluck up the courage and try to tell somebody about what we believe, whether it be a friend, a neighbor, or a member of our family, you are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you as you try to share your faith. And we have very little authority in and of ourselves. But this message is powerful because it has the name of Christ behind it. The Spirit is guiding, inspiring, and equipping. That's why the disciples need to hear in verse 20, for it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Maybe as we're about to talk to an unbelieving family member, maybe we just shoot up a quick arrow prayer to God and ask for help. Maybe as we feel anxious about sharing our faith with an old friend, we silently ask for the Spirit's help to say the right thing. You see, these Gospels are here to encourage us. They do not give you an impossible task and tell you to go and do it. These words are meant to encourage us. And if you want to sum it all up, this passage, think that we are sent. The baton has been passed to us. Those 12 disciples started off the great mission. It has now been passed to us. What will we do with the good news of Jesus Christ in this place? Be encouraged. We're part of a team. We're part of a local church about this together. And together we are stronger as a body. But we are to be realistic. We are to expect some opposition, knowing that not everyone will come to accept the message, the words we say. But let's be realistic in the sense, also, we cannot do it by ourselves. The Spirit is with us, and there is authority in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to ask us now to pray. And there may be some person in your mind that you're particularly wanting to reach out with the news of Christ. Someone who's perhaps a bit resistant. Perhaps someone in your family, someone at school. Someone in your workplace. Perhaps someone you've tried to before, but they just cannot believe. Who do we most want to reach with the gospel? Who is on our heart this morning? And let's pray for them. Father, I thank you that you're still in the business of calling men, women, and children to you. Lord, I thank you that we are sent. But Lord, you've also strengthened us with your authority and with your spirit. And Lord, now just in a moment of silence, we just visualize that person that we really want to come to you.
Lord, help us in this task. When we are weak, we need your strength. When we are lost, we need your guidance. Give us the words to say, we ask. In the name of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.